Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining me this evening, as always, we've got Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood. Joining us in a couple of minutes, we'll have Tim Torch at Tim NFL. But first of all, before we do that, guys, we're starting to – the combine has started with at least the measurements. A couple of early ones have come out. We'll touch on those in a couple of minutes. We're starting to get some buzz about players, what's going on. Is P. Ryan the starter in Washington next year? Because or this <laughs> because we've heard he is. But then there's another report saying, oh, we've got to increase our running back the depth and, and skill set. So what's what's going on? What what are we what are we looking at right now? Yeah, NFL coaches want to make their teams better all the time. It's, it's a very normal process. Yeah, this, this is my, this is Mike Tyson, and the the fantasy Joe's tonight are going to talk about the size of, of a lot of young men's hands, and I I don't really understand it, but it, I, this is a cross between Mike Tyson and, and Bobby Boucher. Mike Tyson's just trying to kill him. Let's just try to kill him with the ring. Oh my gosh! So we're going to let our listeners in on a little secret. We're recording the intro. After we've recorded the whole podcast, that's why we're getting goofy and pulling out the impersonations and the and the you know the, those takes our Mike Tyson impersonation. And- well, I just want to say that the the intro is this is the prelude to the best stuff that's going to happen. This is a great episode. We talk about players. You know, like we went through this draft and the, these these picks might have changed, but it's good information. And the discussions that we were talking about it changed my my mind about some people, and and that's what matters. Is you you take everything you hear and the people that you want to listen to and trust. And I think these are some great opinions and I'm taking them to heart and I can't wait for the, to the combine and the NFL draft to happen. And this affects that. That's right. And Hey, guess who's calling in? It's Tim Torch. Tim's with us. Tim, what's going on? That's the flame flame on. Tim, I got to ask you off the cuff, man. What about, did you see Ronald Jones came in at two Oh five? Yes, I did. You, I, I did. Were you uh, surprised so by that? I was a little surprised. Yeah. So a bit, bit shorter than I thought he. A five eleven, right? He's got uh, tiny hands. He does. Get that, him off the that, board. That was that was going to be the the next thing I said. He he's got the baby hands. So so we always wonder about. <laughs> well, he doesn't have many receptions in college. So so you always wonder about the hands. This actually gives us a, another good checkpoint to say you know what, he has really small hands, so maybe that's another thing that says maybe he's not – maybe he doesn't have the ability to be a good pass catcher. Um, putting him into kind of the database that I have put together right now, I can tell you kind of where he stands. Compiled as much as I can going back to, I think, like 2010. So he was 5'11". So two, when I put in 205, I usually put like three or four pounds up and down hmm. so that – so that there's a little bit of variance. Maybe he just drank a ton of water or something during the morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Leonard Fournette. Good. Yep. Uh, so super fast comparison. Uh, Corey Sheets from Purdue, uh, Kenny Irons from Auburn, Antonio Pittman from Ohio State. Uh, guys that were surprisingly slow, but but 
still uh, are in the same height weight range are Tevin Coleman and Mike Gillisley hmm. and Bilal Powell. But those those three guys actually ran uh, above four five. So oh yeah, I think he'll beat that. So I I would actually be surprised if he the way he's been marked coming into this is that he should run fat maybe even below a, f- a sub four four. So if that's if that's the case, then I mean that's that's caused to put him up a little bit. But you gotta wonder about the baby hands. Yeah. I, <laughs> when a guy has hands like that, it, it's also a little bit of a red flag. And I do have concerns about the BMI because again, it is sub sub thirty BMI. Yeah. How about how about guys coming in at two twenty four? Oh yeah, that dude. And from what I've heard, he's going to be coming in running like in close to the four threes. Sure. Do you do you guys listen to a lot of like draft podcasts or NFL podcasts? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um one of the, one of my favorites, I listened to Stick to Football with Matt Miller. And he was actually talking about it today that uh one of the concerns on guys while he was injured is some of the people that he affiliates with and that that's that's part of the concerns with him is that he's he maybe has some off the field issues so that could probably drop him down to the second round wow. hmm. hey hey tim so when you hear stuff like that where does that go into your evaluation if at all like that anecdotal stuff like do you do you just pay attention to that or you you see that as kind of like an advantage because like that give someone value because they they were graded higher other than the character stuff i do i i give it some credit um i usually check the knucklehead box pretty heavily uh and if anyone listens to uth you know i i really get that i take the standard from katie because she believe she tracks these guys from like preschool in, ter- in terms of in terms of uh character wise but but i think there's definitely something to be said josh gordon there's there's a reason uh with the people that he surrounds him with and uh the situations he puts them in uh just even justin blackman if you want to go to him so usually once a knucklehead always a knucklehead martavis bryant yeah and and these are always the stories that people really get warmed up to so you see a guy oh i'm changing my life around i'm coming back you want to hear these redemption stories you want to hear a guy say i'm coming back i'm going to be a a better person because that's all that's all we want to be in life we want to be better people and improve our flaws and that's what we're hoping from these athletes but think deep down you have to take a look at what changes are they making in their lives to make those differences is martavis bryant hanging around different people uh, is josh gordon hanging around different people are they putting themselves in better situations and i, I just it, it's always a big question mark can in in your life so i think of my life completely would i be able to make a wholesale change in my life with everyone that i hang around with all of my family and everyone I've ever known since childhood at a drop of a dime. And, and of course we would all like to say, yes, we're, we're going to be able to make those changes because we want to be better people. But, but how often is a family member going to suck you back in or, or, or something like that? That, and that's where my head goes, how hard it is to make those changes. And, and who knows, maybe it's also some type of mental imbalance that these people are dealing with. Brandon Marshall dealt with bipolar disorder for uh, how long before he really sought treatment. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Any other uh, – what about Wadley? Will, did you see Wadley's hands? I think they're smaller than, uh, than Ronald Jones. 
I, I actually surprisingly haven't jumped into a lot of the measurements yet. And this is probably one of my biggest frustrations with this time with the first couple of days is everything so slow to come out. Yeah. We're eight hours, we're eight hours into the combine. And how much do we really have? We have like one person on Twitter that's tweeting out like random facts here and there. And I mean, if you really want to market yourself, televise this stuff junkies like us we're actually going to tune into the way we're going to have our our twitter feed up on our up on our phones while we're sitting at work and obviously not doing the work we're supposed to be doing and watching uh watching these weigh-ins come in yeah it's actually it's on that sheet uh wildly smallest hands uh of the group oh. but I, I high-fived those hands once at the minnesota game uh when it was here how, how did you feel uh, when you high five those hands? He's strong man, strong hands. <laughs> <laughs> Real great. I mean, were his hands bigger than yours. If there were high five, I mean, I, I mean, I assume <laughs> completely. I mean, I think I probably. I don't know. I got. I've never measured my hands. Is it like on Deadpool after he has his hand cut off and he has the baby hand? <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> but it's a stiff, strong hand. And he actually had had a football in the other hand just palming it the entire time to show how good he is at catching the ball. So wildly, I mean, anecdotal evidence, but, you know, still trusting him. <laughs> He's gonna, anything that is wrong with Akron Wadley, I will offset with anecdotal stories that may be real or not real. Your choice <laughs> whether or not to believe. I saw a tweet today that, that compared Sony Michelle and Alvin Kamara, and it was their height, weight, and I think their hands. And it was they were literally like within – uh, a percent or two of each other. And I thought, oh man, the hype is going. The Sony, <laughs> Sony Michelle hype train is lit. I mean, I remember though, uh, Trey, your post about Sammy Watkins and Julio Jones's first few years in the NFL and, and how they're due, how Watkins is due for an explosion. Oofta. It's coming. It is coming. It's coming, man. It Still is. coming. It's always coming. <laughs> so. I, I I made a trade this past week, a uh, slightly Debbie depleted league. So in in it's super flex as well. So every year we draft one round of Debbie, and I traded Devin Funchess and what was the one twelve. So in this league, it's more like a mid second round pick. So like two hundred four, two hundred six ish for Sammy Watkins. So I I I'm with you. I I really. If you're going to make those type of bets, those are the type of ones to make. A guy who is highly pedigreed and also productive in college, maybe doesn't have a ton of uh, game time just because of injuries, something like that, and you're still waiting for kind of that final product. And and also look at the upside. Funches had a great year. How much higher do you really think a guy like that can go? So yeah. so what? Tops tops. Maybe he'll touch the second round. Maybe if if he truly hits, Sammy Sammy Watkins. If he would hit, could you imagine where he would go in startups? You're probably talking what 104, 105. If he really had that that monster season, yeah, he he's just so electric. I mean, he and and I think that you know you I, there are just so many kind of like with Stefan Diggs. I, there were so many times where I saw. Um, games where Sammy Watkins was open. It wasn't that he wasn't getting open. It was just that he wasn't being targeted. Um, you know, same thing with Stefan Diggs. He, he was getting open. There were countless plays where you'd see him run across the field and then Thielen gets the, the pass. Um, right. And so, you know, my hope is that with a full off season um, and the recognition, I mean, you can't, a guy like, a, um, you, you can't be, 
in the offensive meeting room in the off season for the St. Louis Rams and outside of Todd Gurley, it'd be blatantly obvious that the next guy that needs the ball is Sammy Watkins. I mean, taking nothing away from Robert Woods or Cooper cup or Gerald Everett, but Sammy Watkins <laughs> is a, a freak athletically. So I, I'm excited to see, I hope he stays in, in LA actually this year. Go back to the running back weigh-ins. Naheem <laughs> Hines. Uh, one, 198 at 5'8", for 5'8", with how fast he's supposed to run and how electric he is in the field. I'm excited for that. I've heard, I mean, he's one of the guys that I'm jumping on the hype train of as far as that uh, Ooh, yeah. treat Cohen plus kind of athlete. Yep. Homeboy is going to break the combine. Well, people will be talking about him. I think that's probably the better way of looking at it. He he is a track guy. He I think he um, he does the 100-meter did the hundred meter with NC state. So he's all, he's already one of those guys that knows how to train. And especially for these events, I, I have zero questions for him. We're going to kick this rookie mock draft up. We're, we're going into the second round. I guess we should recap the first round for people that missed it. And if you missed it, what are you, what are you thinking? You just, you pause the recording right here. You download the, the first show and you listen to part one. Um, but if you are driving or working out, you can't do that right now. Tim, you want to, you want to recap the list round one for us? Happy to. We got Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Baker Mayfield. So remember this is super flex. So Baker was the first quarterback off the board, Josh Rosen, Sony Michelle, uh, Sam Darnold at one Oh six, Nick Chubb at one Oh seven, uh, Cortland Sutton, Lamar Jackson. Will actually thought we were going to hammer him for that pick, but, uh, we were all pretty good with it. Uh, Calvin Calvin Ridley at 110. Uh, and then uh, to wrap up, we had Ronald Jones and Royce Beeman. Sorry, uh, I'm hearing like stuff in my speakers. And I have no clue where it's coming tones from. Tones are better than uh, hearing voices. You know, you know yeah. website? Okay. Or is it just it. because after that, say, Lamar Jackson pick is just like, oh. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was a good pick. Uh, everyone, uh, Will thought we were going to roast him for Lamar Jackson and uh, – Brian also thought we were going to roast him for Sam Darnold, but that's right. Super flex. I think they're both quality picks. All right. 201. Let's roll that's, it. That's right. 201. And Will, you had the 201. Who did you take off the board with the 201? Two, oh, one. Go in Rashad Penny here. And he's going to be very landing spot dependent. I cannot wait to see his combine and where he ends up at. So I feel like he's a very uh, uh, flip, flip flopping kind of player between, you know, you listen to podcasts, you read articles, you've been watching everything about him. He, he kind of bounces around quite a bit. He's gone from my fourth RB off the board to lower than here at the tour one. Uh, he has three down back size and could be a star in the making. Uh, best team they played last year, at least in my mind and kind of looking at it, was Stanford. And he casually cranked out 32 rushes for 175 yards at a tutty. I don't think Stanford's run defense is that good after looking a little bit more into those stats and everything like that. And they did play a lot of terrible running defenses, but – you know, you got to put up good counting stats against bad rush defenses. And that's what he did all day long. So give it up for Rashad Penny. Also, he had a couple of kick returns and a punt return touchdown this year. So he's got some vision and some shake. He's not some, you know, he's not an unathletic, you know, person that I feel like he's being made out to be occasionally around here. He definitely isn't perfect. He has his deficiencies, at least as far. I've not found a lot that are, are, are terrible that he wouldn't be able to work on, you know, because one of them obviously is being successful at blocking. He isn't slow. Based on those kind of like uh, one uh, statistics and watching him play, the although Niners Nation uh, estimates because I tried to look up estimated forty times for some of these guys, 
That's made his 40 time at 4.58, which is kind of shocked by, by how slow that would be. And that, that could really hurt him if he runs out in the combine. Uh, that, that could kill his profile with proteins. You know, he isn't, he's not a small guy, and he has the crazy high counting stats, which is always a good thing. Never, I mean, it's not a, never a bad thing for the most part. Uh, so overall, I like, I like Rashad Penny. And at this point with where we're going uh, in our uh, rookie mock draft here, I'm just, yeah, I, I like the upside that he's going to have and what he, what he, uh, what he uh, proposes. So give me some Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, the guy has monster numbers, that's for sure. Uh, I'm curious what, what you think of him, Tim. Yeah, so did Donnell Pumphrey when he was in that exact same system last year. Uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from Penny because uh, we are, spoiler alert, we do have some some uh, actual measurements coming in on guys. I've measured in well, 5'11", 220, so that's what you want to see. My concern is I, I almost wonder, uh, people always throw around the term recency bias, and I, I always feel like a lot of people are going to go directly to the Kareem Hunt analogy with him and not that I think it's completely far off but you have to remember what type of uh, outlier Kareem Hunt was and it was the perfect situation the perfect uh, head coach and Spencer Ware also going down for the year so you have to wonder if all of those things kind of moved around a little bit if he'd have the same year I, I think he's doing what he needs to do so far he's weighing in well and I, I always ask myself too with, with a guy like him where does he win? Because watching the tape, I, I do think he's kind of a smooth runner. He He's not incredibly fast. He's not incredibly agile. So a lot of people have problems with his running style overall, and he can kind of run outside himself a little bit in terms of um, not being able to cut as strongly. And that was actually from Jordan McNamara on one of the UTH premium shows that he uh, referred to that directly. So it's just interesting case with this guy because I almost wonder with these type of guys and we dive in so deep and we hype these guys so much, if it's going to just be one of those guys, we might get let down on draft day a little bit. I don't have a whole lot to add. I think that Rashad Penny is likely to, you know, the, the senior bowl, I think um, got a little bit of hype and, and I think that's, uh, Tim, you may know that there might have been might have been some Kareem Hunt comparisons happening before the Senior Bowl, but it seemed yeah, like that's where they came out of the woodwork. And um, you know, now I think that you know I, I do think he's an interesting prospect. I think that for my taste, he's likely to be a little overdrafted. I think that in non-super flex formats, he's probably going to be an easy first round pick. Um, but I, you know, I, it it all depends on situation. I think like you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, when when um, Kareem Hunt landed there, even though he was behind Spencer Ware, that's a, a great opportunity. The the Chiefs running backs are always productive. Same thing with, you know, Kamara landing in New Orleans. So if Rashad Penny lands in a great situation, uh, he could turn out to be a really good back in the NFL. So I, I don't I, – at the beginning of the second round, I think it's a good pick. I like it. It's, it's- I see him having massive upside, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he will be – uh, th- this year's Jeremy McNichols. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause Rashad Penny, like I'm always intrigued by these numbers guys that put up th- this big production, but you got to put all, that all into perspective. Um, speaking of numbers guys, the guy I picked with the two Oh two DJ Moore, And this probably was influenced by some uh, dynasty Twitter hype. Maybe this is my dynasty Twitter hype pick. And I might've been influenced by seeing him play against Northwestern where he just, <laughs> kind of killed Northwestern this year. So, um, but I, you know, I've, 
I am excited about him because when I saw him play, he looked really good to me. And you know, different guys talking about him. Look at the numbers. Brandon Gadula from Number Fire. You know, he had an article in, in a quote: "More 5'11", 215 pounds, generated at least forty percent of Maryland's receiving yardage in nine of twelve games, and at least half of their receiving yards in eight of 12. Um, Marcus Mosier on Twitter. Wide receiver DJ Moore, college dominator, 53.3%, 97th percentile, breakout age, 19.5, 78th percentile, strong indicators of next level success. He's one of the youngest wide receivers in this draft class. Uh, class. Um, you know, he, he just, you know, he, if you look at those numbers, those, he's, he's really impressive. And, and when I saw him, I was impressed by him. You know, some of the knocks, uh, you know, the, the major knock, I guess, is, is getting separation against big corners. According to Marcus Mosier, when he was on the Draft Daily podcast with L.A. Christ, he talked about how uh, Maryland people are talking about how he hurt his ankle um, early on in the year during the Indiana game, and it was lingering, and that might have impacted his performance for the rest of the year when he played that more elite competition. So D.J. Moore, yeah, I'm taking D.J. Moore ahead of some really good wide receivers that I'm sure a lot of people have ranked higher. You know, my wide receiver rankings, of course, will change as we get closer, but I like D.J. Moore. I'm really intrigued by him. I just can't help it. I can't help it. I love those numbers, and I, I love what I've seen of them. You know, Big Ten wide receiver from Maryland. Um, oh, Stefan Diggs went to Maryland. Oh, my gosh, the Twitter hype is out of control. I'm so intrigued. What do you guys uh, think? Most agreeable player, Stefan Diggs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> lazy, lazy comparison, right? The, uh, quick, no, uh, quick, Rashad, quick look Rashad up Rashad here. <laughs> and, and he's Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, right? Mm. Bigger, faster, better hands, Stefan Diggs. I just – I keep wondering what we're going to see because I I don't doubt that he's probably going to do well in the three cone, but his build is that of a running back. And uh, I, I always ask myself the what ifs with these type of guys, because I personally didn't see like crazy measured athleticism when I was watching him on, on game tape, which means absolutely nothing. I'm not a guy that has a radar gun for eyes, but it, if he comes in and he, Kills the three cone, but still runs like a four five, something like that. Does does that knock him down for you? Because uh, he does have the the quicks that we're expecting. Uh, I almost wonder if he's too much better than a Ty Montgomery. Yeah, you know, I I think I would be happy with that. I you know, for me, I'm I don't worry so much about speed with wide receivers. I think there are too many other. Um, intangibles with wide receivers uh, so I, I don't look at speed as much with them but that's that's just me so if he ran a four or five i think i'd be happy with that tim i think th- that wouldn't change him for me him and james washington feel like the two guys that i could really see landing with the packers as far as a randall cobb replacement uh is, is he is dj Moore as your i feel like a good like hope for his ceiling would be like a jarvis landry type with with better like you know some good yards after the catch he kind of has that uh, to that feel to him to, from what I've seen and, and everything like that. And Less that's athletic like. golden tape. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, you, but like, like, yeah, like a, like a bigger golden tape, <laughs> like a, like a less likely to get uh, moved from a team because of inner team issues, golden tape. <laughs> you talk, you just cracked me up. <laughs> I, I just can't stop laughing. <laughs> 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 Trey, you've been quiet on DJ Moore. Any thoughts? Yeah, I'll be honest. He's not a guy I've looked into a whole lot. I know that the hype's been building. I, I've seen that there's a lot of um, a lot of 
big names on Twitter that have been mentioning him in the, in the top tier wide receivers in this draft class. And I think that the, you know, the top six or eight wide receivers in this draft class um, are going to be very interesting to watch. I'm, I'm super interested to learn more about DJ Moore as the process moves forward. Um, And, and part of that will be the combine. And then a big part of that will be where does the NFL value him? Cause I think sometimes coming into the NFL draft, we have an idea of, of where we think wide receivers are going to rank and then they slip in the draft or they go a little higher in the draft than we expect. So he's one of those guys that I will probably wait to um, decide ultimately where I would take him in the hierarchy of the wide receivers once the NFL draft happens and we see where the NFL actually values him. I think that'll be an indicator. I mean, th- those are the you – know, they always get it right, you know? <laughs> oh. One last quick little uh, like dominator tidbit is, uh, you know, he had besides like touchdowns, everything like that. If you just look at catches and you fear to take out the like the running backs on Maryland, uh, DJ Moore had half the team's catches for for, like for the whole season, which is pretty crazy for one receiver to 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 have half of a team's catches. Yeah, that that is pretty crazy. Um, It's probably crazy that I took him at the two hundred two because Trey, I probably should have taken. Um, the guy you took at the 203. Yeah, you, you set me up quite well here. I was pretty excited because um, I know with the Superflex format that it pushes the skill position players, um, especially your running backs and wide receivers, which are the skill positions, uh, pushes them down a little bit. So for me to get – James Washington is my wide receiver one in this class as it stands right now. He's a guy that I love. He's a guy that I – I feel like that some in the community, some of the comments I've heard about him is that he's being kind of miscast as a deep threat, uh, which he is. I I mean, he is a threat to uh, take a deep pass to the house, no doubt. But he also does little things well. He is a great route runner. Um, It it was really um, interesting to see. I I saw a a statistic showing the uh, passer rating when targeted and the best route that um, as far as the passer rating that the quarterback put up when targeting James Washington was the slant route. And what, what, you know, for me, a guy like James Washington that can beat you deep is going to earn some respect from the cornerbacks of the NFL level, whether he's playing on the outside or in the slot or that maybe they move him around, but to be able to, to beat someone deep and to be able to win on a slant, is is huge because it makes defending you incredibly difficult. I know that there's some questions that, you know, that he played in the Big 12 where, you know, defense doesn't really exist. Uh, but I think that he is uh, an incredible athlete. He's got good size, like 6'1", 200 to 210, somewhere in that range. Um, I'll be interested to see what numbers he puts up at the Combine. Um, but for me, I, I love James Washington. I think he's not just a big play threat, but I think he can be a, a solid number one wide receiver for an NFL team. And I think that he's going to be drafted likely in the, in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah, he showed well at, at practices in, in the Senior Bowl by, by all accounts, even if he didn't necessarily show up in the game so much. Uh, and I think one of, the thing, but one of the things that did kind of scare me away from James Washington was – that I do have that fear that he's just this deep threat, you know, one trick pony speed guy in the NFL. So Tim, what do you think? What do you think of James Washington? 
I love James Washington. He is that center field uh, type of guy that just runs balls down and has really no regard for his body and is willing to put it all out there. He's, he's a guy that I thoroughly enjoy watching and uh, he's definitely a target for me. Uh, as I mentioned a little bit in the last show there, it's hard for me to find a wide receiver that I'm really going to come to bat for, but Washington is probably one of the few guys. Uh, DJ Moore, if he does well, he would be a guy I would consider. But James Washington, is, the more I, I do my research, is another guy I would be willing to go to bat for, for sure. I like James Washington. He measured, he measured at like 5'10 at the Senior Bowl, though, didn't he? 5'10, and I, I actually looked it up while you guys were talking. 5'10 and 210 pounds. And his arms are longer than his than his teammate, who is like six inches taller than him, or they are just about as long. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. It, it talks a little bit about the wide receiver position as a whole because one of the I'm sorry I'm going to go off on this very small team. Uh, just just when you're looking at the wide receiver position, the reason I like those guys who have the longer arms like that and extremely strong hands. He has crazy strong hands. Uh, but it helps when you're throwing in the tight windows because he's beefy, he's thick, so that means he has the play strength to to be physical with a guy. And with those long arms, he can win a little bit better with a bigger catch radius for his quarterback. So I, I love the frame that he has. Uh, I think it'll work very well as, again, maybe a slot plus type of guy. Yeah, I think with his size too. I, for me, I think James Washington is my – favorite receiver right now in, in, in this class. I, I would really – I see myself, if I'm not going to go a running back at, at a spot in a rookie draft, I'm most likely leaning towards if my, my first receiver that even if there's a – you know, running back's the first nine, nine, ten picks, I think he's my – I'm really looking forward to see what he does in the NFL. Tim, you're 204. Yeah, that, I think I lucked out with this guy because the – the reports are already starting to stroll in that John Kelly is the next Alvin Kamara. And it's weird because Alvin Kamara played for Tennessee. Alvin Kamara was running back. So the way people are coming up with these comps, I mean, they're just extremely original in the way that they're, they're putting this information together. I, I love it. I never made the connection. That's right. Oh my gosh, Tim. That's brilliant. It's so weird. It's so weird. Uh, I, I, he is, he is not, Alvin Kamara. They are two very different running backs in the way they play the game. But uh, John Kelly did weigh in very well, 5'9", 216. So that's more than big enough. That's that's probably like a 31 BMI right off the top of my head. So more than big enough. I, I think he's the guy, and I'm going to steal a term familiar, Chris. He's a tone setter. He's the type of guy that will truck you. He will truck your mother and he will not think twice about any of it, and he will destroy lives. And I love those type of running backs. I was the the kind of stable guy for that is always Marshawn Lynch because he is the guy that will run over people and get get the team fired up. Uh, really, a guy a team can can rally behind. And I love that John Kelly is moving forward. I my biggest concern now is that because he weighed in so well. And if he turns around and has good measurements uh, between the three cone and some of the burst drills, be careful with these smaller guys. Don't get too caught up in 40 times. Uh, 40 times are usually good around four or five 
they can be under that. That's great. But you want to see more of the burst with them. Because remember, Alvin Kamara was still a four, five, six, something like that. But he really, really uh, excelled at the at the burst drills, like the jumping exercises. So that that's something I'll also be looking for with John Kelly is just his overall explosion and ability to take off. So Tim, if he blows it up at the combine this weekend, what do you think is going to happen? Like with his, you know, where does where does he go in rookie drafts? Does he go? I mean, what's I, what's what's how high can he rise? Because he is, he is a guy that's getting more and more hype as the process goes along. So there, there's a couple of big things to take into this. Number one is uh, his size. So that that is a bit of a concern. Uh, a guy who's never had 200 total carries uh, in terms of his college career, that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, and I believe he does have some off the field issues. So he's a guy you just need to be a little bit careful with and and I think draft Twitter is going to take off and he's going to be one of those darlings where people are going to start pumping him up. He's probably going to be close to a first round pick in, in terms of your normal rookie drafts. But I think when we're, when it's all said and done and the NFL draft happens, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a very late day two, early day three type of guy. Other thoughts, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I thought about him. It hit my imagination. As soon as you said, he'll truck you and he'll truck your mother. I was like, well, I don't know if that really affects my NFL comparisons because poor old uh, Joanne Mayfield wouldn't be much of a defense against you know, five, five two, like one, 120, uh, six, 62 year old Joanne isn't going to do much against John Kelly. Protect your mother. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think he's the, the one of the Camara comparisons are going to be super fun to listen to entirely into the lead up. And I, you know, again, it's, I feel like he's very, another landing spot dependent running back, right? If he, you know, what if, what if he ends up on, on the Browns? What are you going to think about that? He'd be, he'd be a good guy to make. And I live in Ohio, so, so I'll speak a little bit to that. I think he'd be a good, good guy to pair up with Duke Johnson because of his physical running nature. I think in Duke Johnson being more of a satellite back type of guy, I think he'd be a perfect pairing, but. That's just me. Trey, any thoughts on John Kelly? No, no, I don't really have any. I think, I think Tim hit the nail on the head. I think that, you know, the, the, the hype is starting to grow a little on him. I'm going to be um, very interested to see where he and, and the next pick that I won't, I won't spoil, but I'm going to be interested to see uh, how both of these guys do in the drills um, coming, coming up in the combine. I think that, you know, the, the, I won't even call it the second tier because really I think that in this draft class that, that Saquon Barkley is in tier one and, and Darius Geis is in tier two. So it's really the third tier of running backs in this rookie class. There's so much potential. I mean, there's, there's eight, nine guys that really could end up being legitimate fantasy contributors depending on how they show at the combine, where they go in the draft, um, not just – uh, what round, but then what team they land on as, as will mention, you know, the landing spot dependency. So he's another guy that is very interesting and, you know, could rocket up draft boards if things start to fall his way between now and the draft. Let's get into Will's pick at two Oh five, because this is a guy that in my mind, in terms of evaluations is kind of tied with 
with Kelly at this point. So, Will, who did you take at the 205? So, I took Mark Walton. And at, at the point in the time we were doing this rookie draft, I feel like it was a lot, a lot of spe- – it was a speculative pick. And I think the, the more analysis you do, it's a, you can go – you can flip flop back and forth on him uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of Mark Walton. He's, you know, kind of the <laughs> – your Duke Johnson, Ricky Williams, uh, some other guys from Miami, Tepper – no, I'm <laughs> kidding – but he just measured into the combine a little over 5'9 and at 202, which I like and, and enjoy that. And he catches the ball really well. The one thing that I want to be, make people very, very careful of this when, they, when you start doing uh, like analytical research about him is his yards per carry in his last season. He got hurt, and he is, he's coming to the combine. He's going to work out, and he did get hurt. Uh, he's at the end. But he's, his yards per carry in his, his last season that he played was 7.6. But there's that uh, Bethune Cookham. And if you can tell me where that college is located, uh, I'll be very impressed. And then you're talking about Toledo, where he had 11 carries for 204 yards, and then Duke and Florida State. So what, what I'm saying is uh, his, when you look at his last year's production, and if you look at the stat yards per carry, you throw that out the window because it's not really going to be relevant. Watch him of the combine. Uh, go and watch some film on him and, and pay attention. Also listen to what other experts say. See what it comes out in the Devery reports that people put out or the rookie scout, the, the rookie scouting uh, reports but I think Mark Walton actually I, I so when we made the draft I was really high on him then I took a little dip and now I'm back on I am on the Mark Walton train I think almost fully at the point of the draft our Florida native knows where everything Cookman is located and you you pr- mispronounced it Will yeah I think the, I think it's in Tallahassee actually it's Daytona Beach oh is it can you have Daytona Beach has colleges you drive your car right out of the sand and then into class. No, uh, how do you pronounce it? I thought it was Bethane Booth- Cookman. Maybe I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so if any alums listening to the show, if we, if we butchered it, please let us know. Um, send those tweets to BT is going to go down. <laughs> so, so sorry, we're going off the rails here with the Bethane Cookman talk. Um, okay. So yeah, I really, the more I, 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 you know, hear about him, learn about him. Excuse me. I, I like him a lot. I think this is a great pick here. Tim, what do you think? Love it. Yeah. He's a guy that I'm, I'm getting more on board for again, uh, just the train nailed it with the depth of running backs in this class. And it's actually unfortunate because a guy like Walton just gets moved down with so many other guys that could slide in front of him because of his size. People are going to push these other guys right in front of him. And I, I really don't think Mark Walton is a guy that you can forget. He He's carried the load in terms of being able to be uh, a 200-ish carry back with Miami. And <clears throat> he's an excellent receiver. Uh, and Will, you nailed also nailed it in terms of him being injured his, this past year when he was really starting to take off. I'm a big fan, and I think uh, the fact that he measured in as well as he did uh, only is positive marks for him moving forward and uh, another one of these running backs that you can just keep collecting. Uh, it doesn't. I, I feel like a broken record here, but I, I'm just trying to imagine the NFL this year, this next upcoming season, because we've already had guys like Jonathan Stewart get cut. We have Matt Forte retired today, and I almost wonder in my head if they're if they're trying to walk away because they know these young guys are coming into the league and, and they just need to start stepping away a little bit because between last class and this class there, there's such an influx of talent to the position. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you see another seven or eight teams get their starting running back through the NFL draft this year. And it's going to completely, completely mow over what, what the running back landscape is right now. Yeah, Tim, I think it was – I was listening to the, to the latest uh, UTH podcast. Uh, I think Katie said on the show that she thought this class was was deeper, the running back class. Do you agree with that assessment? I do. I do. And uh, the last class, I, I think a lot of people uh, – it, it's really easy to look how, at how productive they were and kind of the flash moments. But this – last class a lot of people forget about how unathletic they were uh they're a productive group but very unathletic with this group we're looking at just as just as productive if not more plus we're probably looking at better athletes i wouldn't be surprised if this class is well above where we were last year and not not only in terms of of the top with with barclay and geis but the overall depth that we're looking at this class and, and people are going to easily look at guys like Dalvin Cook, which I, I, refuse, I refuse to get into that argument here uh, on, on my feelings about Dalvin Cook. But uh, guys like Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, they, they added to a top group, but, but really I love the depth of this class more. I think, and it's going to be a very great offseason discussion that of, of what's happening in the dynasty landscape between running backs and wide receivers because everybody's running this, and this is for another day. You have a really deep class coming in here where these guys are going to be contributors. At least, as, 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 you know, as, as you can assume they're going to be contributors. And you have a lot of contributors coming in last year and a lot of contributors in before. And so you have this, this tier of running backs. And uh, I think is J.J. Zacharyson just talking about it. When you have an influx like this of talent and fantasy production coming in at running back like this, it might be a time to buy up some receivers for these guys and assume that you can get some <clears throat> some other production at the running back position later on in, in dynasty drafts, even then we we'll go to redraft next year. But anyway, we should probably, let's move on to the next pick. Yeah, let's move on to the next pick because I, I, I did not go uh, running back. I, I stopped that little little run we had. Um, I guess it wasn't much of a run because it was wide receivers before that. But I went Christian Kirk. And I think with Christian Kirk, he's really intriguing to me. I'm really curious to see what his 40 time is to see how fast he is. But, but the things that stuck out to me about him, he had a dominating freshman season. He was 18 years old when he crushed it. 38% market share of his team's production. And he had a school record seven kick returns for touchdowns. And I think we all know, or, or most of our listeners know that there's, there's this evidence that suggests that that sending special teams play translates to NFL success. Guys like, you know, T Y Hilton, Antonio Brown, Wes Welker, really outstanding. Uh, special teams players, uh, kick returners. So I think he could be a really successful slot receiver at the next level. And, uh, you know, when I, when I made the pick, I was feeling a little bit of regret when we were in the process of doing this draft. But now I feel better about it. I, 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 I like him a lot. And I'm, I'm eager to see how fast he is <laughs> this weekend. So, so Christian Kirk is my guy um, here with the 206. So what do you guys think? You think it's good value for getting him at the 206? Yeah, I do. I think that I think that Christian Kirk has an outstanding opportunity to you, you know, you mentioned it the the breakout age um and and again, he he was doing it um you know, came from from Mike Evans alma mater. He he was doing it against legitimate competition, you know, playing against the Alabamas and the LSUs of the world playing in the SEC West. And so I, I think that Christian Kirk is going to succeed at the next level. I think that he 
it's going to take the right team. Um, I don't think that he's going to likely be a wide receiver one, but I think that he has incredibly solid wide receiver two potential. And to be able to grab a guy like that in the middle of the second round um, is, is awesome. I like him. He's a good route runner. Um, I too, like you said, I'm going to be really interested uh, where his speed tests out at the combine. Um, but uh, I like Christian Kirk. I, I think that that was a, a fantastic pick at this point. I think he's a guy that's going to be overlooked a little bit with some of the other names, if you will, at wide receiver and, and the, all the running backs that are going to be pushed up in this draft. I think Christian Kirk is going to likely end up being, I think 12 months from now, we're going to look back and, and that will be one of the names that I think will be underdrafted in a lot of leagues. I like that quite a bit. I, I don't think it can, it can be understated enough. The people that he was able to unseat his first year at Texas A&M because right off the bat, he walked on and he unseated Ricky Seals Jones, who was no slouch as an athlete and uh, a high quality recruit. And also a lot of people may not know Speedy Noyle, who was also an exceptional recruit and crazy fast knuckle knucklehead. But wow, he was a guy that was extremely fast and was productive up until Christian Kirk got there. Kirk, average 70 catches 900 yards right around eight or nine touchdowns a year I think he's a plug-and-play type of slot receiver wide receiver too and uh, I know Chad Parsons has went on the record saying that he's a guy that could sneak into the first round of the NFL draft and I I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's there early early day two and is a really good pick for for someone who moved back out of the first round or even the Chicago Bears Kind of early second round pick. There we go. Let him go to the Bears. I was thinking that's the like let him go early second round to the Jets. I know that that's not a great fantasy destination for most people, but look at that like the target volume you could get there. But I mean, we're, I don't know. Kirk Cousins is playing the ball too. It's in, possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, or like Seattle <laughs> after they you know they they offload Paul Richardson and need somebody outside of Doug Baldwin to catch back. That is very similar to Doug Baldwin. But anyway. Next picks will be the next pick will be my biggest question mark. Yeah, well, we'll just jump right into it. And, and you know, so, I that was a great, that was a great, that was a great lead in, great lead in. So you know, and and I'll have to be completely honest. I, this pick for me would be completely team dependent. Um, I would have to have a pick on a team where I had wide receiver depth and had an overall really solid team without a glaring weakness, because this is a pick that is going to do one of two things. I don't think that um, Equinemius St. Brown is going to likely end up finishing or, or settling in in his career at a mid second round pick as far as what he produces. I think he's either going to produce like a top half of the first round pick or a fourth round pick. So the, the, the um, athleticism, the size, he put it, I think it was his sophomore season that he put up pretty incredible numbers, but I, or it may have been his junior year, but I will tell you this, there was not a more disappointing season from an NFL draft prospect this last year, uh, save an injury uh, ended season than what St. Brown did at Notre Dame. And I think part of that was the fact that the offense was 
first of all, the play calling was incredibly run heavy and the, the quality of the quarterback play was pretty poor. I think I read that less than 50% of his um, targets were catchable. So, you know, obviously um, there's some big question marks about the big drop in production this past season, but I've also heard some, some people that have talked about that maybe we should be paying attention more to the best season that a player have in college and not their most recent season. Um, And, you know, a a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster kind of comes to mind when when talking about that. And and I'm not trying to say that St. Brown's going to have that. They're they're totally different players, but I mean, you can't teach size. You can't teach six, five. You can't, you can't teach someone that can go up and get the football like this. And um, I think that in the middle of the second round, maybe a little early for this guy, but um, I'm very interested to see what comes of, I'm not a huge St. Brown fan, but I felt like that the, the, upside of this pick was was too great to not roll the dice on a you know the the beginning of the back half of the second round he probably for me is one of the most polarizing guys that can be in the draft right now because the people who want to love him are are going to throw out the aj green comparisons and the people who want to hate him will throw out the malachi dupree uh, comparisons. It almost feels like politics. You're either really heavy one side or you're really heavy the other. Uh, and and people won't just look at it and say, hey, you know what? Maybe this guy's right in the middle. So it, it's interesting. I, I have no problems thinking this guy could be uh, quality because he has pedigree to amaze he, the bloodlines as far as the St. Brown family lineage that's coming through right now yeah. is oh, next yeah. level. Uh, his father was a former Mr. Universe, so you know this is a guy that's that's been taught proper nutrition and proper uh, proper working out type of things since he was a very young young age. So, or <laughs> that's a possibility too. So, so he's just a guy that they I feel like people are going one way or the other. Uh, I'm I'm really just lukewarm and. Usually when I'm lukewarm on a guy, that means I'm not going to get him. So I feel like my, my uh, and I want, I want to like him uh, regardless of the fact that he went to Notre Dame. Cause I do think his size and athleticism is, I'm sure he'll test out fine. Like, or at least, at least, you know, pretty well. And he's coming out as a junior, which I always do like uh, the, so taking your best year from college, uh, ESB went for uh, 961 yards as his top year. Versus like Juju went for 14 something a little over uh, at USC. And I want, I, I just like, uh, I think this is, I think this is a totally fine spot to take him because he's his, his upside is through the roof, you know, like if, so if you miss on this pick, what, you know, what's the end of the day, you know, who maybe you, you, you could hurt you really bad, but this is, these, this is the, this is the kind of the receiver class where you're going to get guys like this where it's a lot of question marks coming out of college, but he could be, he could be massive. So I like it. Do you remember who his um, quarterback was that best year he put up in college? Well, yeah, I mean, it was Kaiser, but do you know who Juju was his best year? What's that? Do you know who Juju Smith-Schuster's quarterback was his best year? Matt Barkley. I, I mean, so where'd he end up? Yeah, it, it's a great way to look at it. I, I think uh, – serviceable NFL quarterbacks in college that that's exactly the way to go uh, we'll keep this moving a little bit more and uh, we can move on to my pick and and it's Auden Tate and for a guy that 
it's really interesting with a guy like Auden Tate. And I'm going to, I always steal stuff from Twitter because frankly, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the borrowing brilliance and I'm not creating creative enough to come up with my own. Sorry, my own stuff. I'm not allowed to curse on this podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ryan took a quick break. (laughs) So we'll have to let him know that was there. Uh, But yeah, on, on taint, Fusu Vu, uh, his handle is at Life's Your Cup on Twitter, actually put out a, a tweet saying, since 2000, here are all the 21-year-old rookie wide receivers who are 6'4", 220 pounds that's been drafted. Uh, and the list of names is Mike Evans, Mike Williams, and Reggie Williams. So those are three guys who went in the first round of the NFL draft. They were all top 10 picks. I... I personally actually do have a hard time seeing Auden Tate making his way out of the first round of the NFL draft just because of that pure blend of size uh, size and probably overall speed-based size athleticism that, that he's going to put together. I'm not saying he's going to blaze the 40, but if you can tell me that a guy like Calvin Benjamin is able to, is able to go in the first round of the NFL draft, I am sure – that a guy like Auden Tate is able to work his way in there. Thoughts, guys? Auden Tate? <laughs> He's such a hard uh, – as so as the Fantasy Joes and doing an analysis on a rookie, Auden Tate I feel like is one of the most difficult people to look back and, and judge his, his film and without deferring to other experts and people who are better scouts than I, I, I can like – I think he is from what I've, from, you know, everything I've researched and read and seen, he has a very high upside and a very great opportunity. And I know we did uh, a, a fantasy mock like earlier, like a rookie draft. And he is a terrifying, like, like he's like, he's like an ESB type of guy to me where you take, you're taking him on athleticism and movement and route running and hands. And you just, you're, you're basically uh, on, on the, on the way that he, he could be great but he could also be terrible. Well, the, the one of the keys for me with Auden Tate is it, same thing as Equinemi St. Brown. You can't, you can't coach size. And I mean, the guy's six, five, and I think he's over 220 pounds. Yes. So he's an incredibly big guy. The other thing is his age. I don't think, is he, has he turned 20 yet? I, I, I mean, I think he's extremely young. So I think that's the other thing for me that um, he's another guy that I think is a great upside play that may end up kind of fizzling out. But again, when you're here in this late mid to late second round range, you know, all of these guys have warts. Why not take a chance on a guy that could be a top 10 dynasty wide receiver if things go his way? Because the upside of a guy like Auden Tate you can't find that with, with any of the other wide receivers on the board right now uh, with his size, you, you just don't have the upside. So I, I like the pick. I think that it's worth taking a chance on, on these guys, you know, the St. Browns and the, and the Tates of the world um, to see what, what can, what can happen as they continue to progress. And I really like these guys. I, I, have a, I guess like mentally it's hard to find like, what was a receiver like this like these guys that were taken here uh, that I, I mean, I really enjoy. And I think these are, are, are great picks, but 
when was last time something like this happened and worked out well? That's, that's hard to find like recency by like, let's say, say recent history. Well, I think when you're looking at a guy like Tate, I think it, it like we're, we're doing this so early in the process. And I think the NFL draft will be very telling because if there is a team that takes him in the first round, like late in the first round, then that kind of says to me, like, this is a guy that I might want to target and grab because these teams see something in him. I mean, maybe we see, you know, the, the, the potential here already, but then if a team uses the draft capital to take him early, you know, that's the guy I'm going to start paying attention to. And since we don't have that, it's, it's hard to value some of these guys like, like ESB and Tate, in my opinion. Um, Tim, you have any thought, any answers to Will, Will's question about like these potential guys that, um, that, you know, did end up popping. Hey, but before you go, Tim, real quick, I just, it, it just reminds me of Doriel Green Beckham. And that, I feel like that's just like the, the bad taste in my mouth. Oh my gosh. You're, you're saying a name that's no good to me right there. Uh, I actually did do a startup. It was back when uh, Doriel Green Beckham was getting a lot of hype. hype, And I remember take, that, that was more of my riskier years pretty early on. I, I was more inclined to take the, the boom bust kind of guys a little bit more often. And I took Doriel Green Beckham in the third round of a startup. And that was, that was, Oof. That was, that was yeah, yeah, that was devastating <laughs> to, to my team. Uh, but he's still one of those guys that, that people are go both ways on. And it's just really interesting. Uh, I, I personally just like, especially where we're at in, in this draft and my strong feeling that he could be a first-round pick. First-round first wide receivers, they're highly pedigreed. They get a lot of opportunities to start, and you can hold on to them for a long time because no matter what we think, wide receiver is just a position that takes a long time to develop in the NFL. And even if they don't hit year one, look, look at a guy like Nelson Aguilar. He was, he was completely being written off. He was a guy that was outside the top 300 of – of dynasty ADP and he came back this year and, and was able to take over a, a spot vacated by Jordan Matthews. The, these are the type of guys I will keep taking shots on. Uh, if you're looking at ADP right now, guys like Mike Williams, Corey Coleman, uh, John Ross, the, that are going outside of the top 50 picks in a, in a startup. The, those are the type of hits I want to take because they're going to stick around for a few years. Even if they don't hold value year one, you know, by year three, there is still some value left to squeeze out of that person, especially if they're a first round guy. Yeah, I remember Ryan, how excited you were to get Aguilar in the tenth of a startup recently that you were chatting about. Yeah, yeah, I got him pretty pretty late. He kept falling. People still don't believe in him for whatever reason. And you're right with Aguilar. <clears throat> yeah. Last, um, you know, the the year before, I, I remember I was trying to to clean up the bottom of my roster and I couldn't give him away and I ended up keeping him on one of my, my dynasty teams, the league that Will and I are in together. And I'm glad I did because I, I couldn't literally couldn't give him away. Like like even as a throw in, like, I don't want him. He's just gonna club up my <laughs> roster. So yeah, kinda interesting how that <laughs> yeah. my roster. Interesting how that <laughs> But that's the that's the thing. That's what we talked about when we did a podcast earlier. One of the dynasty lessons learned is be ready. Don't be like, be ready to wait on your rookie wide receivers taken. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a hard and fast dynasty lesson. And it's a really hard lesson to learn. And I learned it early with taking like Mike Williams over Dalvin cook last year. 
in a couple of fantasy drafts. It wasn't every like every rookie draft, but man, it sucks. It sucks to wait on receivers when you see running backs blow up. You have to be ready for it when you take these guys. Buy, buy on the way down. So, Mari Cooper, buy on the way down. Corey Davis, yep. buy on the way down. Uh, all of these guys, just Devontae Adams a few years ago, he was like the only wide receiver that didn't hit in the 2014 draft. And you're able to buy on the way down it, with these young wide receivers. Just yes, they were they're highly pedigreed. They're they're physically gifted. Buy when their value is declining, and you will almost always get some type of quality return on your investment. Yeah, I love that. I I agree with that a hundred percent. And we we've talked about some this off season buying some of the rookie wide receivers from last year that didn't really. Uh, do much. And um, I love that. I think that's an incredible um, strategy. And it's probably one of the things that's led me to be more likely to take a quarterback or a running back um, in, in rookie, it's a super flex, obviously one quarterback league, it would, I would tilt more toward the running backs, but you know, for that exact reason that you can buy those same wide receivers at a much cheaper price, uh, six, 12, 18 months down the road. So I, I love that. Moving to like a new fun fantasy world of, of rookie drafts where next year we'll be like, oh, we got to take these wide receivers high now because there's, <laughs> the running back landscape is so diluted. I, 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 I can see that as a total possibility. So I'm going to move on uh, to the, so I had the 209 here. And I, and I went ahead at this point, it's a player that, we we just got his measurements came in. He came a little bit shorter than what he's he's been stated. But I was going I'm going Kalen Balage from Arizona State, and I feel like you talk about a mess of a collegiate production prospect, and you look at Kalen Balage. The one thing that sold me on him is his receiving ability, and it was oh man, I'm gonna miss it now. But I was listening to, you and they're like, well, if he really fails as a running back, like completely cannot be a running back, terrible decision maker, can't hit a hole, is that he actually profiles out as a decent receiver. So I feel like Kalen Blash was a nice like floor play here. And it has the ability if he can if he can be better as a running back or, or slightly better than was at Arizona State, which is a tough school to reject people from being in the Pac-12 and the offense they ran and the coach that they had because they're going to have a new one. Uh, anyway, I, I, he has an upside that I thought was totally worth it at this point and a downside that it, he could, he could of course like be worth it as all these picks can. But I think that he has a downside that maybe he just ends up being a little possession receiver or like a bigger, taller uh, theoretic. Hmm. No, I, I, I like the, the pick here and, and you're right. His, the, you know, the, his ability to catch the ball is intriguing. Um, Tim, I think one of the negative things about him is that he's horrible at pass protection, and I guess that can improve. But he's not going to be really on the on the uh, field catching the ball if he if he can't help block. Yeah, uh, pass protection is definitely a place that is in need of improvement. The RB Scout uh, podcast recently, <clears throat> we were chatting about him, and he called him. I think it was an ostrich walker, where he. Uh, puts his head down in the sand and doesn't even look where he's trying to block. So uh, the effort, I don't even want to say is there. Uh, Balazs is just a guy who is physically gifted. All, all things being said, he, he puts the gifs out on, 
out on Twitter of him working out and making crazy Odell Beckham Jr. type of catches. And it's amazing to see the type of athlete that he is. And it's even more mind-boggling to think the way that he was being used in college versus versus his teammate. And I just don't, I don't understand it. I would love to be in a room with that coaching staff and someone to tell me, why, why in the world are we using this guy like this when he is such a freak athlete? And, and my comparison for him is a guy like Latavius Murray souped up. Because if you remember Latavius Murray coming out, he was a guy that big and runs fast in a straight line. I think Balaj has is big, runs fast in a straight line, has a little bit more shiftiness, uh, but still should be that type of running back. Trey, you got any thoughts on Balaj? I do actually. He's not a guy that I've been real, and I'll echo what Tim said. Like, this is the guy. You know, it's a similarity to me to like the first time I ever saw Mike Tyson speak on TV. Like, you <laughs> see this dude. He's like jacked up, this fierce guy, and he's like, hey, "Yeah, you know, I it was a good fight tonight. I just, I just hung in." Like, that's kind of the way I picture Kalen Balaj and how I see him. And. and what he does as a running back, and then his use at Arizona State. It's just baffling. Similar to Alvin Kamara last year at Tennessee, you know, the athleticism, you know, he was just turning play after play into touchdown and big gains, and yet he he was fairly underutilized. I think that my prediction for Kalen Balage is that his draft stock is going to do nothing but go up during the combine because I think he is going to light the combine up. And I think that the right team, all it takes is one team. Doesn't matter what 32 teams think about Kalen Balaj. It matters what one team thinks about Kalen Balaj. And I think that he's going to show out enough at the combine that one coach, just like with Alvin Kamara last year, that Sean Payton was willing to give up a future second round pick, I think, to move up into the third to take um, Alvin Kamara. And I think that you might see something similar out of Kalen Balaj. And he's a guy that could end up being an incredible prospect. I, it's, you know, it's again, he, not without warts, right? We're not taking him at, you know, 109. This is the 209. Uh, but I think that he's got great potential. I just, I don't know exactly what he's going to turn out to be at the NFL level. But the athleticism is unreal. The Mike Tyson and the running back prospects, Trey. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, oh, man. I take, take, I, take, I take a year and a half, two years at the top, like the RB1 overall production that Tyson would have put out is the, the boxer one. So if he gets drafted by, like, to say the, <laughs> the Niners, which is everybody's favorite draft landing spot for any running back or virus <laughs> at this point, Oof. They have to unseat Matt Burita. Come on. That's not going to happen. Or, or what Joe Williams. To, what if he went to Seattle? What, what if he went to Seattle where he doesn't really have to pass protect? He's going to get hurt. Because Russell That's Wilson gonna is going to escape the pressure. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, there, there's some there's some landing spots for, for Kalen Balaj that turn him into a, a top 15 dynasty running back. Yeah, which I, if he, sounds crazy, but, it, I mean, he has the athleticism that if he's in the right spot, and they use it goes to an offense that uses it in the right way. Um, certainly, I'm not predicting it, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I just feel like track record wise, if he goes to Seattle, he's going to uh, one have to make weight uh, at some sort of time for some arbitrary reason, and then two, he's probably going to break a leg. 
I feel like that whole like every star member of that team ends up breaking their leg at some point in time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll start talking about the two ten. And when I looked down on my sheet, I, I I thought I saw Dean Kane. I'm like, oh, I drafted Superman. That's great. And then I'm like, no, I drafted Dion Kane. Um, and you know, th- this is a guy that could have been Superman, right? He was a five star recruit out of Florida, uh, the number two overall wide receiver in his recruiting class, but. And he went to Clemson, which is where all the great wide receivers are, are born, right, that go into the NFL. But he didn't really quite put up the, the numbers that, that you might expect. I, th- I think he certainly has the talent. And basically when I was looking at who was available, I, I guess I'm, st- I'm kind of intrigued by – I know there's this RB renaissance, but I do like to take wide receivers. I, I lean towards taking wide receivers. That's what I want to take when I'm on the clock. It's like, oh, wide receivers in Dynasty. So I looked and I thought, oh, he, I think he's the best wide receiver available. I think he, you know, theoretically has this – um, this high ceiling, even though he hasn't really shown the production. So, so I went with, uh, with, with Kane here. Um, so I just thought in terms of where I'm drafting late in the second, um, I want a wide receiver. Uh, he certainly, you know, has, has the potential, even though he hasn't had the college production. So that was, that was my rationale. I w- it was, was not a deep evaluation, deep thought process. And after what you talked about last week, Tim, with, with um with running backs you know i probably would have been better off drafting a running back you know here um because i think there's still several um intriguing ones but so so what do you guys think of the pick hard pass (laughs) (laughs) thanks tim appreciate that (laughs) there's nothing you like about i'm not a fan of his profile he's he's smaller wide receiver he's a thinner wide receiver uh very very little production, even with all the the pub around him. And you can maybe start to say, hey, he had really good wide receivers around him in terms of Mike Williams and uh, and some of the other talent that's that's come through Clemson over the years. But he he's not a guy that I'm betting hard on. And I, also, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL is a little is significantly higher on him than I am. But just not a fan of his game overall, personally. Fair enough. Fair enough. Will, Trey, anything to add? I think it's a great shot. Five-star crew coming out of college, playing on Clemson, at wide receiver U basically at this point. Uh, I, I I just, you know, it's we'll see what he, again, a little bit of combine things, a little bit more of I'd like to hear uh, when you talk about route running, exactly what he's doing. And again, and again landing spot quite a bit. I, I, he doesn't have the numbers to, to, to make, you know, to look at numbers briefly and say, oh, I can make an opinion or another. So for me personally, I haven't watched a lot of him and I can't, I can't hate on the pick. Uh, I think it is important that he was a top group coming out of high school and that he, you know, he's coming out as a junior too. So he didn't feel the need that his athleticism and production needed another year to where he could make some money, you know, receivers will stay longer. Look at, uh, you know, you look at the Cortland Sutton coming back. He came back for a third year you don't you don't do that unless you feel like you need to put like prove something and to make more money in the NFL. So, at least a little bit of speculation and, and some narratives there. But I guess I just don't hate it. But I I, I, I would I, like I would rather take a running back. Like I, th- I like to talk about the player, but I'd rather take a running back and trade him for Deion Kane plus something than to take him here. Yeah. So Trey, your your pick at the two eleven is an intriguing one. Do you want to? 
spend any more time on my pick or do you want to get right into your 211 pick? I'll comment on Deion Kane. I'm a little bit higher on him than most. And uh, I do think that he had some issues at Clemson. I know that there was a, I think a drug issue at the end of his first year. And, um, but I, I do think that with his speed and I think that he's put on some muscle and I think that he's expected to measure and, and test fairly well at the combine, I can see him being taken in that second or third round. Again, I don't think that, I think he, he's another guy that if he lands in the right spot can turn into an incredibly solid wide receiver too. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one, but you know what? You win fantasy championships with wide receiver two, solid wide receiver twos. Um, and again, at the end of the second round, I, I like the pick. I, I'm, um, I'm still a little bit higher on Deion Kane, even though he disappointed a little bit his last uh, season at Clemson. Um, and yeah, so for me, the 211, just a quick like disclosure here. If, if I were re- really on the clock in a uh, Superflex rookie draft here, my pick probably would have been carry on Johnson, but this guy is someone that I wanted to talk about because I think that he's someone that has the potential to become a great weapon in the NFL. And there's probably a little bit of recency bias given the recency, uh, the success that uh, Tyree kill has, has uh, experienced the last couple of years in Kansas city. Um, but um, Kiki Cootie, and I don't even know that's how you pronounce the guy's name. I could be butchering it, butchering it. And, and, I, I wish I'd, I I should look it up real quick. Kiki is actually like a nickname. His his real first name is um, longer, but um, he he is a guy that is going to destroy the combine. I, I mean, I can't wait to see the forty speed that he puts up. Um, his his speed is in, in incredible. He's got elite speed. He was I think in the Big Twelve last year of all wide receivers he had the highest passer rating when targeted of all wide receivers. And it, it's not, he's obviously a small guy. He's going to have to go to the right scheme. And, you know, Ryan, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a guy, you know, Nagy coming from Kansas city, having Tyree kill. It would not surprise me one bit. If this gentleman didn't end up in Chicago with one of their later round picks, because I think Nagy saw firsthand what the addition of a guy like Tyreek Hill can do for an offense to take the top off and, and keep defenses honest. So my, my pick for Kiki is that he ends up as a Chicago bear. And uh, I, I think that he's got some incredible potential probably wouldn't take him at the end of the second round, but I, I really just wanted to have the opportunity to talk about him. It's a quick Google search. Uh, before he came to Texas Tech in 2015 as a high schooler, four three eight forty at his, you know, college day. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna probably uh, uh, beat that handily, but we'll we'll see. I'm interested to see uh, what he. I I think that there's a possibility he could run the fastest forty at the combine. Love it, and and don't worry. Well, we didn't notice that loud clang sound that. That happened with whatever <laughs> you ever happened. Play with my wedding ring and it, it fell on the floor. Uh, I, was, I was so excited. It's a 4 3 40. That's huge. When you're like 17 years old, run a 4 3 8. Yeah. That's amazing. Make the wedding ring pop uh, off. Yeah. Can never pop off enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm a fan. I, I think he is, he was amazingly productive. I think it was somewhere in the 90 catch 
range in 2017, 93 catches, which is amazing for 13 games. You do have to remember where he's coming from with that Texas Tech uh, air raid offense, spread offense, what, whatever you want to call it there. It's it's where they pass a lot is pretty much where it is. <laughs> um, but that offense in particular is just big and uh, – big in terms of volume to the wide receivers. So he was a guy where they took advantage and, and I love your expression in terms of how he could be used in the NFL. I think he does have plenty of versatility, speed to burn. So yeah, he, at, at this late in the draft, uh, I think people are going to be making again, the lazy comparisons to a guy like Deshaun Jackson or something like that. But I, my hope is that he could be a little bit more versatile than that. Uh, and Ryan, do you have anything to wrap us up on him? No, I mean, I really hadn't heard much about him until Trey took him in this draft, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, what I've seen, he's he's definitely intriguing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what he does in the combine and, and learn more about him. So I'm, I appreciate Trey putting him on my, my radar. Yeah, to wrap up the draft, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Naheim Hines. Naheem Hines, one of those two, and nailed it. And probably the the reason <laughs> the reason I like him the most is a guy like this is going to absolutely destroy the combine. Uh, he already weighed in. I I believe he was somewhere in the it was five eight one ninety eight. So plenty thick for a guy that I'm already considering to be kind of that satellite third down back. Uh, and he is a very good pass catcher. Uh, I think his thickness works well in pass protection. So he's the type of guy that with a solid combine, I think he's starting to get on the map already. You're starting to hear different podcasts bring up his name uh, because they're diving a little bit deeper. He's a guy that after the combine, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the type of guy that puts up the four, four, three, five, 40 yard dash. He probably is the fastest running back in terms of the NFL combine this year. And People are going to see that and they're going to go nuts, but he, he's a track athlete. He's a hundred meter guy with, the, with NC state. So it, it should already be expected. Don't double count his speed. And, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't sh- like flash super hard in the 40, I don't know if I'm that worried about it with how fast he is on the field and who he is. The fact that he pushed Jalen Samuels that has to now classify as a tight end at the comp. That's important. Yeah. I, I like this pick a lot, Tim. I, I think that, that you 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 laid that out the case really well uh you know at the end of the second and a lot of potential here with 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 Hines um Trey any thoughts no I like it I think that you know both of these uh you know if you want to talk about a complete backfield you know obviously the University of Georgia backfield of Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle is getting all the highly highlights but with Hines and Samuel um, both coming out of NC State, I'm really, really interested to see uh, what ends up coming of both of them, how they do at the combine, and 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 what ends up coming. I think again, just further adding to the depth of athlete at this in, in, in this class. So I, I like I like the pick. I think he's the guy whose draft stock's going to rise. So you, you, you talked about uh, um, Wadley there for a second, Will, and, and you would have the, the 301. And we, we talked a little bit um, after we did this, like who would our honorable mentions be? Who are the guys that weren't taken that, that we would have drafted in this range or, or, or considered with our last pick um, in the late second? So 
Well, who would that be for you? You'd be next. Who would you take next? Or who would the guy, who would be the guys <laughs> you'd consider here? Oh, I mean, it is, it's nice to, yeah, I put in my honorable mentions, but I think that for me as a homer pick, it'd be Akram Wadley. I think he's receiving chops. I know he has really small hands now as a test out in the combine, but his speed and elusiveness and athleticism, I mean, he, he, he's, he's a lot of things against some really good college teams at Iowa, and it's just going to be my pick. I think that he is going to be a, a running back that's going to be fantasy viable coming into the future where if you get him at the 301, you're going to be able to start him uh, you know, week to week eventually. He's, he's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be like a Corey Clement type of guy who you don't really see coming. But you see, I do think Akram's going to get drafted, so maybe a little bit higher stock here. Uh, I think he has a really bright future. Yeah, for me, a couple of guys that I would look at. Trey referred to Carry On Johnson. Um, you know, we got to mention his name just so I can play a, a little bit of Carry On My Wayward Son because every time I hear his name, I think Carry On My Wayward Son. So Kansas, yeah, well, Kansas. We will, you know, if we went to Kansas City, uh, you know, uh, then, then that, that would be a good good song for, to play for him. Um, but probably who I would take here is because um, Trey would have taken Carry On Johnson as he said if this was a real draft. Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I, I know Josh Allen. The the hate discontinues, and and I don't know that I really believe in Josh Allen. But if he is drafted in the first round by a team and he gets in the right situation, and I mean he's he's got the you know the the physical traits and he's shown the potential. I don't need we don't need to get into it because you've you've heard about Josh Allen on and on and you will. But in a super flex league, you know, early third rounds, if he's around, I'll I'll take him. I mean, assuming like he has a decent landing spot where I think he's going to sit behind someone for a while. Like if he went to the Giants and sat behind Eli Manning, I mean, gosh, that would be that would be great with uh, with Shermer there now. So I don't know. Josh Allen is a guy that didn't we didn't draft. Um, also in the third round, I'd think about my guy Kyle Aletta. Tim, you may not know this, but I love Kyle Aletta. Uh, not that I think he's going to be the superstar, but you know, super flex league, like a you know low end QB two at some point with his precision passing, I think there's a spot for him in the NFL. So, Will, okay. uh, well, it was a recent thing on the on, on the couch with Simon Bloom. They're talking about Kyle Aletta, where he at Richmond had uh, I think three or four different coordinators at Richmond over his time there. So the fact that he could adapt and do well in the Senior Bowl is a very good. Uh, it's just a very good showing of what he can do, how fast learning he is, and you know what kind of quarter. Yeah, I just think it's all a benefit. I think he went through all the diversity with the senior ball, and then showed that the diversity actually uh, he learned something from it and, and benefited from it. So I, I, you brought Kyle Letta to my attention, Ryan. I feel like our attention when we were talking about him. And, and you know, he, he's he's not going to be the instant star, but he's worth he, when you when you're in a two quarterback or super flex dynasty league. That's a name you need to know. I'm going to circle back to to talk about Carry On Johnson because I believe I'm going to do a little flag planning right now. Carry On, my wayward son, is going to end up climbing draft boards drastically. From that flag. From the end of the set. I mean, to be completely honest, for him not to go in this two rounds is. I think when rookie drafts are taking place three months from now is going to look like ridiculousness, craziness. Cause I think he could potentially go in the second round of the NFL draft. 
I think that he's a really good running back. I think that he has the potential to be taken as a starter. And I think that he is likely going to end up settling into the first round in um, even in Superflex, um, maybe the beginning of the second round. But I think that we're going to look back in three or four months and of all the guys that did not get taken in this draft, I think Carrion Johnson is going to be the most egregious guy left out. That's my, uh, that's my flag plant on the guys that were not selected in this draft. Even, even 211, I think, would have been way too late for him. In my humble opinion, I am a show. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I, I'm on board. Uh, Johnson is a guy that should have went earlier. Uh, Josh Allen, I, I think in your normal super flex drafts, I don't think there's any way he makes it probably too far, uh, too far outside of the first round, just because he will be a quarterback that's taken in the first round. So somebody will have, have some type of thought. And, and Loletta, I, I personally have, I, I don't like to really uh, pick where, where prospects are going to go before the NFL draft, because I have no freaking clue where these guys are going to go. I'm, I, I'm just a guy who likes talking fantasy football, but I've heard people talk about he could be the next backup in, in New England. And if that's true, I wouldn't be surprised if we start talking about Loletta being picked above Josh Allen, because from my understanding, the reason Josh McDaniels went back to New England is because he was given the opportunity to pick who his quarterback is once Bill Belichick leaves. So that. To me, that's just the type of guy that, that could really see a huge value bump. And the guy I picked for honorable mention, I, he keeps falling. And I'm not surprised that he keeps falling, but I'm also really surprised that he keeps falling. And it's Bo Scarborough. He went to Alabama. Alabama backs are generally uh, five-star recruits, plenty big enough, plenty fast enough. I mean, go back to Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, uh, Damian Williams, the guy that didn't end up coming out this year, but wow, is he a, a really good running back? Another guy to remember in that pipeline will be uh, Brian, Brian Robinson. Well, Alvin Kamara back in the day. Brian Robinson's an exceptional running back at Alabama. So these guys just don't often fall this far down, but Scarborough had a number of injuries while he was at Alabama. But his, my money is on that as soon as he measures in and as soon as we start getting the testing results in, people are going to start remembering him and then saying, oh, this guy looks a lot like Derrick Henry. And, and that's when we're going to start seeing him start shooting back up boards again. And that's really when uh, we're going to start seeing him. And I would guess that mid-second round range. Hey, Tim, in the Superflex, um, what about some of the tight ends, like the Dallas Goddards and Mark Andrews of the world? Uh, where, do, where do you think is a good place to, to target those guys? What do you think of those guys? Mid, mid second round again. I'm, there's just so we, we mentioned before, there's just so much depth here. Uh, this is the, right around the territory, probably mid to late second, early third is where I would end up going uh, in any type of tight end premium leagues. Obviously these guys get moved up, but I, I always try to caution people. Mark Andrews is great. He he's, incredibly good uh and he was a reliable target for baker mayfield dallas goddard is a guy who who should be one of those tight ends that people were comparing to travis kelsey but remember the tight ends take time to develop not every guy is gronk not every guy is evan ingram and evan ingram is really an outlier too he's technically a, a big wide receiver so mm-hmm. I, I mean we just can't look at a, a guy these two guys or whatever 
tight end you want to use and just say, you know what, they're going to be productive from year one. I would much rather take that pick and try to invest in a bigger name or get into a guy like an Adam Shaheen, David Joku. David Joku is being forgotten about right now. And he, he started really coming on towards the end of last season. There's so many other tight ends that you can make the investment in. I would say if you could trade, if you are really a tight end needy team, I would go to any of the, any of the three tight ends that are being undervalued from last year, whether it's OJ Howard, uh, David Joku or Adam Shaheen, I would go after any of those guys and just uh, try to plant my flag there. Trey Burton's another guy who's not going to end up with the Eagles. That's a great guy that's going to be a pass catcher. There's just so many, so many other tight end opportunities. Try not, try to stay away from the rookies. And again, similar wide receiver, buy on the way down. Love it. That's great. All right, guys. Well, well. thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at, F- at FFJoes on Twitter. Your feedback is always welcome. Let us know how we're doing and what you want from us. We come at you weekly on Fridays with new episodes, but be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review, preferably if it's a positive one. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at Fantasy Joe underscore Will, and I'm at Roto Librarian. And our guest, Tim Torch, is at Tim NFL. I don't think I mentioned it earlier. So, on behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, we want to thank Tim for joining us again. And I'm Ryan Livergood, and we're the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. <laughs> that's awesome Trey I love it I love that <laughs> I don't know why the, I don't know where the Bobby Boucher came from what's a br- like, that- my, my mama said I, <laughs> well, the, the I'm with it <laughs> like, I, could, I could hear it happening I'm like it's funny because they're the same I, if you would have said it I would have thought you were doing a Bobby Boucher thing <laughs> why is Mike Tyson becoming Bobby Boucher <laughs> it's like I, just thought, I thought Don King out there in the park I was going to kill him I was going to punch right through him Oh man. oh, man. I'm getting delirious, I think. <laughs> <laughs>